So I think that's the best way to start church, right? With dirty jobs. And that, that uh, TV show lasted for eight or nine seasons or whatever because it's fascinating to see waste, truly. To like look at uh, all of these unique jobs that often find themselves around uh, some of the filthiest things. And oftentimes the, some of the filthiest stuff is actually things that have been wasted, Things that are waste, and it's nasty. It's gross. There's not anybody that really enjoys it. I think actually when you think of even the concept of waste, it can turn your stomach. You see something like that, you're going, this is, this is, this is awful. But it kind of goes like life-wide. I have a, um, there's a running joke in our home. Uh, in the garage, uh, I have a box of cables. Uh, and it's been there since we've been married. And this box of cables, I have probably, so we've, we've lived in uh, Tennessee now for six years. I think I have gone to that box of cables two times. Uh, I have no idea whether I actually found what I needed in that box, but I can't stand the idea of getting rid of those cables because I don't wanna be wasteful. Right? My wife, bless her soul, is like, for the love, do we need this box anymore? Like, do we truly need, is, is this, do you, are you going to ever use this thing? And I'm like, well, I, I just can't waste it. We hate the idea of waste. We hate it. We don't want to waste things. Maybe yours is different, but every one of us is challenged by this idea. We're actually about to read a story where our disciples or Jesus' followers are going to interact with this idea of waste. And they're gonna be indignant and frustrated about this waste. But what we're going to discover through this text and through this scripture is your life is going to be wasted on something. You're gonna be wasted on something in this life. You can't get away from it. In Matthew chapter 26, let me just set this up before we read. Uh, we are about, to, we're two days out from Jesus going to the cross. And Jesus has elected to spend time with, I think, the people that he was closest to. If you wanna know why he's at the house of Simon the leper, who's hosting, I think, some of Jesus' closest friends. It happens to be the family of Lazarus. And they're with him, uh, and they're, uh, he's about to head into what you and I would call the Last Supper, uh, and then go into um, the most excruciating pain anyone has ever experienced in this life. And so we'll find Jesus here in Matthew chapters 26, sitting down with his friends. And uh, in verse 6, it says, Now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him, with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment. One of the other scriptures will tell us it's a year's worth, an entire year's salary worth of ointment. And she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum of money and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble this woman? For she has done a 
beautiful thing to me. For you'll always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. I have no doubt, by the way, that uh, John tells us that this is Mary. This is Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus. I have no doubt whatsoever that Mary knew exactly what she was doing, that she was going to waste her life in this moment, that no doubt a young female like that has a year's worth of ointment. This is likely her security. This is what's going to get her through life. This is her inheritance, if you will. This is her nest egg and She's going to take the entire thing and waste it. And we have hindsight. We're able to step back and go, man, what a beautiful, extravagant gift. But the truth is, if you and I could just pull ourselves outside of this moment or outside of even the hindsight that we have, can we just acknowledge this feels Foolish. It feels foolish. It, it does feel wasteful. I think we could kind of like turn our noses up at the disciples, but I, I tend to feel like if we were sitting in the room at that moment, we'd be, we'd be like, this is kind of inappropriate. Even in today's world, if something like this were to take place, that kind of just lavish outpouring, you'd go, that's a little too far. In first century Palestine, I can guarantee you, everyone's looking at this woman coming in and presuming to do this thing with this teacher rabbi. And everyone's looking at this going, this is ridiculous. It's embarrassing. There's not really anything sensible about what's actually taking place here. But there's something that is central to the gospel or there's something that's central to the good news that Jesus is wanting for us to be able to carry and to hold and to have. And that is that, listen, there's, there's something greater, of greater worth and value to the Lord than your achievements or efficiency or ministry or all the great things that you will do for him. What the Lord loves is your devotion. That's what he wants first and foremost. Because before you're a good husband and before you're a good wife and before you're a caring or loving parent or a gracious boss or a really dedicated employee or a really faithful volunteer, before you do any and all of those things, hear this, you are a minister to the Lord. You're a minister to the Lord. You have a ministry to Jesus. It is above and beyond every other calling you will ever have in this life. You are a minister to Jesus. There are 
go back in the days gone by, there were people who would minister to the Lord. The priests would minister, the Levites, the people, they would come and they would all day long minister to the Lord and declare his goodness and bring sacrifices on behalf of the people so that they might have connection or entrance into the presence of God. David uh, employed full-time musicians and singers who would come into the tabernacle and they would worship and they would uh, pray and they would sing and they would declare and they would pour their lives out. It's what they did. They ministered. They were go, those that would go before and worship the Lord. But God shifts something. He changes something. Because when Jesus came, we're no longer needed an order of priests to come before to be able to be in and worship and treasure the presence of God from a distance because God was standing in the living room. He was right there. And he just wants to make it fully clear about the totality of what our lives will be about. It's no longer those that can come into the presence of God and those that can't. Everyone now through the blood of Jesus has access to be in his presence, to be first and foremost people who are made holy to minister to him, to come and declare his beauty and greatness. Hear this. Ministers to the Lord are, please hear this, are not just pastors and preachers and worship leaders who stand on platforms on Sunday mornings. There couldn't be a greater lie on the planet than to get everyone disengaged so that we can come to services and can consume some thoughts and ideas and not to be able to, each and every one of us, enter into, in ourselves, become ministers to the Lord. To just give wholehearted, intentional, meaningful, beautiful, Worship to him. There's nothing more important than this. To be able to bring him something that's not our achievements, not our abilities, not what we've accomplished, not our far-reaching talents or charismatic personalities. Those are all great and wonderful and beautiful things. But what the Lord is looking for is the gift from the heart that just says, I treasure you. What he wants above everything else is just hearts that are hungry for himself. That's what he's speaking to here. I remember those uh, early days, those foolish thoughts um, as a kid. And I was... 15 and 16, and feeling, sensing a call to ministry. And I remember thinking, someday, someday I'll matter. So I'm, I'm here as a kid now, but there's going to come a day where I grow up and then I get to be a pastor and I get to be a preacher and I, I'm going to share the 
word of God and I'm going to stand in this amazing place of ministry to people and to be able to care and to lead and all of those things. And someday I'm going to really matter. And I just, if I could, I want to grab my 15-year-old self and just go, brother, right now, you can matter. You matter not because someday you'll have arrived in a position, but because all you need is a heart sold out to the living God. That's all he's looking for and searching for across the earth. And I remember <laughs> I got ordained, ordained by my home church. I spent hours and hours and hours volunteering and giving of my life. And I finally, you know, they invited me. I came on staff and I got ordained. And I remember my picture was in the bulletin. I was big time. I mean, I had arrived. They were announcing that I had come on staff as pastor over our college ministry. And thinking for a moment, okay, I'm here. This was the moment I was trying to get to. And then the next day started. And I remember thinking, I'm just the same guy today that I was yesterday. I hadn't arrived. I got celebrated in a bulletin. But nothing had changed about the position I held. Nothing in me was inherently different or now somehow I'm there or whatever plateau you think you might get to. And the Lord's wanting to tear it all down and say, brother, sister, there isn't an achievement or accomplishment or ordination or an encouragement or word spoken over you or place on a platform or ability to reason with the scriptures or great voice to be able to sing. None of that is going to change anything about you. The only thing when this whole thing is said and done that will matter is this heart that beat deeply for the son of God. You are first a minister that's what's central to the gospel. You ever want to know the question, why does Jesus say wherever the gospel is preached, this story is going to get told? What is it about the good news? That's the question. The answer is what's central to the good news is that God has always been after hearts, always searching for and looking for that more than anything else. It isn't that you won't have many beautiful things to do in this life in the name of and on behalf of and for the namesake of the Son of God. I think we're all meant to. But it can't come for those things. Our life will be empty that way. It has to come first from a heart of devotion. So he's not asking for your track record. He's not asking for you to have it all figured out. He's looking at 11-year-olds and 4-year-olds and 15 and 16 year olds and 37 year olds. I won't point on the ages. Sorry. It gets dangerous. The 47 year olds, 46, almost 47, 46, 
What am I? I don't know. I think I'm 46. I'm turning 47 in a couple weeks. It hurts. He's saying, all of you, I don't care where you're at, what your station in life is. You have a primary ministry that stands above them all. And that is this. You are a minister to Jesus. This is what the essence of worship actually is. It stands above all things. You go back to the days gone by. The Lord was always just looking for hearts. You can go back to the Old Testament. You think it's all about fulfilling the law. Nope, nope. The Lord was always looking for hearts. It was never about fulfilling the law because none of us could ever do it. Jesus was the only one. What the Lord was looking for was the heart that wanted to minister. Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with what? All your heart, not all your achievements. You will seek me and find me when you finally get your life in order. You will seek me and find me when you finally arrive with your spiritual maturity. No, you will seek me and you'll find me when you're coming free and clear with full heart, whole heart. That's what the Lord is looking for this morning from each of us. And the subtle lie is that we think if we have a large following, that we have God's favor. The, the more favor we have, the larger our bank account might be or the more followers we'll have or the more well-known we'll be or the larger ministry or our name will be more well-known, that those are the expressions of the favor of God in this life. And it just simply isn't the case. Nothing could be further from the truth. There isn't a direct correlation to these things. Sometimes some have resource and some have favor. It doesn't even necessarily correlate to where their heart's at. We see it over and over in fact, I think God has said, by far and large, the vast majority are not, we're not going to actually have these massive platforms that are going to be these earth-shattering changes. We often look at those things in this world and people who build big businesses and, and think, oh man, golly, what if I could? And the Lord's saying, no, I, I'm not, that's not what I'm asking. Mary had nothing. The swan who smashed it didn't have anything. Hear this. She's not going to write a book of the Bible. She is not going to go on an apostolic crusade, plant churches like Silas and Barnabas. She's not going to do any of those things. We're not going to actually hear of her name again in the scripture. And yet, she knows and has something in here that the disciples still don't get. And we're on the doorstep of the cross and it's not registering, but she's in the full-hearted place where she knows this is what my life is actually about. And no one's getting it. The disciples are angry. This is foolish and ridiculous. And she's no, and Jesus says, dudes, you don't even understand. She's preparing me for burial. They still didn't get it. He's actually, by the way, told them at this point. Not like hint, he hinted around 
in his ministry for a long time. And then he finally, right toward the end, he says, I'm going to go to the cross. And they're going, no, you're not. That's not really going to happen. That, you, you don't know what you're talking about. We're going to give our lives for you. And he's like, dudes, I love you, but man, you're missing it. This little girl heard. And she understood. And it meant something. And what she's done here outweighs it all. That's crazy. This is crazy. God's economy is so vastly different than our own. Every one of us need achievements in order to feel okay. And the Lord's saying, no, you want to be okay? Have a heart that is anchored as a minister to me. And what he's asking for is our heart first. How does it even work like that? I, I always love, I love to point to this moment where Jesus has got his disciples to the side. He's just discipling these brothers, helping them see. Luke chapter 24, he sees they're in the temple and he looks over and Jesus looked up and saw the rich that are putting their gifts into the offering box. In Luke chapter 21, verse two, he saw a poor widow put in two small Copper coins. And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow is put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. And he just wants to point to something. He isn't trying to make a point for you and I to go bankrupt and putting all our money. I'm sure this scripture has been abused and utilized by people who are trying to seek to try to get money. And I think that it's a broken thing that often happens in the church. But what the Lord's really just trying to say is what I'm looking for is extravagance for you to give it all. I'm not just talking about dollars and cents. I mean like heart that just this old, beautiful woman is coming, just going, this is, this is what I've got, but you get it. And it's a powerful, beautiful thing. It's ability, those two copper coins, it's ability in the natural cannot do anything. It won't do anything in the natural, but hear this. In the supernatural, it moves mountains. It changes atmospheres. It, tear, it tears down strongholds. That kind of devotion, that kind of like, Lord, you just, you get it all. Whatever it is today. The ability to stir the heart of God. I don't know if you feel that at all, but to have the chance to stand before the God of the universe and to, st to stir his heart, this is what Mary has done, this is what this sweet widow did, and this is just this call when we talk about what it means to be a worshiper. I love being able to come gather and sing together. It's such a beautiful part of what it is, but hear this, it's so much more. And it's so much deeper 
And there's an invitation. You can have it all. You can have it all. Your life will be spent when this life is all said and done. Jesus is looking in this moment at Peter and James and John and Andrew and Thomas. And he's saying, you don't understand. You're going to waste your life on something. You're going to waste your life on something. What do you want to be wasted on? What do you want to be wasted on? You got one life. It's going. And then it's done. We have one hour here. What do you want to be wasted on? Paul says in 1 Corinthians Chapter three, he's talking to the church and he's saying, listen, there's a foundation that's been laid. It is Jesus Christ, the gospel. There's nothing else that can change that. And then every one of us get to take this beautiful gospel and we get to begin to build around it. And what he says is you're gonna come, there's gonna come a day. And it's just such a loving encouragement from a, one who cares about his people. There's gonna come a day where you're going to stand before the Lord and his eyes of fire as described in Revelation. It's going to consume everything. Everything in our lives will be consumed. Every hour, every moment here in this life is going to get consumed by purifying fire. And what he says is you're going to see what's left over and some are going to see gold and silver and diamonds like precious stones and then some will be revealed our lives wood, hay and stubble and it'll be consumed and it says you're going to come in and you're going to walk into eternity but if you gave your heart and life to things that were wood, hay and stubble it says this, you'll suffer loss. You're going to be a part of the family, you're going to be part of the kingdom but you're going to have a moment to go. It was all about Jesus. It was all about my heart being fully for him. That's what this whole moment of life is about. And everything else is wood and stubble. So don't build. None of us want, I think, to stand on that day. And again, if we're going to enter into bliss, Enter into the fullness of eternity. I just think there's going to be, I think as Paul describes, a moment where we get to go, was my life wasted on the right thing? And life's going to be wasted. Is it wasted on the right thing? I just want to be wasted on him. And I have all kinds of days that I feel tempted to give to the temporal be the first one to just confess that. I'm not a pastor standing up here like I've got this all figured out. You can ask my children. I'm a human. Last night, Texas Tech lost in double overtime, and I'm hurting. All right. It's just temple. It's just foolish. It's empty. It's just, it's just nothing. I, wanna, I don't want to have my life built on things. I don't want to be wasted on stuff that doesn't matter. I just, I don't know if you feel that. I want to stand before Jesus and go like, man, with my whole heart, I, as imperfectly as we could possibly even do it in this life, I just wanted to be first and foremost a minister to you. 
I want to just tell you how glorious and how beautiful and how good you are. And I want that to be the mark on my life forever. And I think it would be beautiful if we built a family here in this church that did that. We're first ministers to the Lord. And we feel, I don't know if you feel it all the time, this massive pull towards all the other things. To doing what right now will be seen or what gets likes or thumbs up or hearts or all the things or pats on the back or favor with the pastor or favor with the boss. And I think the Lord does beautiful things like giving us favor in this life. We just don't want to live for it. We want to live for him. We'll trust him. So that inner place with God is what allows us to actually begin to make fresh priorities in our lives. It's that, it's that real place with the Lord that then we get to go, what's actually important? Because listen, the truth is you and I are going to spend a lot of time. We got spouses and kids and jobs and all kinds of things we're going to spend our time, energy, and effort on. There's nothing wrong with any of that. It just doesn't get to sit at the primary place of our hearts. Because when the primary aim of your life is to minister to Jesus and to bless his name and to honor him, nothing gets lost in the end. When you and I get wasted upon the Lord, then nothing is wasted. It's an amazing thing to be wasted in this life, then nothing gets wasted. That's what Paul was trying to say in 1 Corinthians 3. So we're not trying to get rid of all of our responsibilities or the random mundane things that we all do day to day. I'm not trying to pretend like those things don't exist. We're just trying to say, let everything that you have in your heart to pursue fall secondary to being a minister to the Lord, to having a ministry to Jesus, to treasuring him. So how do we do that? Well, one, just, let's just today, can we put a stake in the ground? Just put a stake in the ground to say, no, I don't have any ability to accomplish this on my own. But today, this is what I love. That's what Joshua did. They're about to go into the promised land. And he's saying, listen, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Put a stake in the ground and say, there's nothing more important than you, son of God. And I may fail today and I might fail tomorrow. In fact, David said, my heart and my flesh may fail, but you are the strength of my life and my portion forever. And then we get to let Thanksgiving start to rise up. Heart of gladness. Treasuring him. Gladness thanking him for who he is. I want to encourage you in something. something. Would you let Sundays be about a fresh opportunity each week to minister to the Lord? And I would even encourage you, if you can, and I know some of you got tiny kids and stuff, and life happens on Sundays, but as much as you can, get here and be ready from minute one to minister to the Lord. To 
sing. The first strum from the band. Just show up here and say, God, you get this hour 15. I'm not going anywhere. You get the whole thing. I'm coming to minister to you and give you my heart in a fresh way. And my Friday, Saturday looked pretty horrible. I know you ever had that. You coming in here Sunday after a tough Friday and Saturday, right? The project you were working on wouldn't work. You couldn't get along with your spouse. You all at each other, right? The kids are like, man, mom and dad got issues and all this stuff, right? Come on. Come on. That's real life. Let's come in here, minute one, ready to worship and ready to minister to him. We're fixing to do that. In fact, the team can come up. We're going to make Thanksgiving alive every day, but it, more than anything, we're going to declare, declare with our mouths and with our hearts, you are my desire and I hunger for you. You're the hunger of my life. And to be able to say that out loud, I think that's why Sundays are so important. Hear this. We aren't doing this for my ego. By the grace of God, we're never doing this for my ego or the name of New River or any other thing. We're coming in here to be able to say, we're pushing the pause button for our heart to hunger fresh for you today to love you and walk with you. To proclaim that truth from of old. Isaiah 26, yes, Lord, walking in the ways, walking in your ways, walking in your designs. We wait for you. Your name and your renown are the desire of our hearts. That's worship. Sometimes we use music and teams. And I've asked the team to just worship this morning. They always have to think about transitions and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's actually unbelievable what these guys have to try to do to minister, right? I've just asked them, try not, I don't want you to minister into us. I just want you to minister to the Lord. Would you guys just minister to the Lord this morning with your voices, with your hands, with your hearts? If you need to walk or pace or sit or bow, stand, lift your hands, close your eyes, whatever you need to have an authentic opportunity to be wasted this morning, be wasted be wasted on the Lord. Let your heart be wasted. We're gonna have 30 minutes here to just be wasted, to give the whole thing. How beautiful is the most important thing. The world was looking outside. They might say the same thing that disciples, God, what a waste. How foolish. I'm telling you, this, this 30 minutes will last forever. Hear this. This 30 minutes right now will last forever. It's eternal. There's nothing that will stand than the hunger and fascination of the Son of God. Stand with me. Let's do this. Father, would you lead us faithfully to declare with our mouths and with our words and with our songs and with our heart and with our eyes and with our hands and with our attitude. Jesus, you are the desire of our heart. Would you tell him that right now? Would you just offer this moment to him? Would you say, you get this moment? I'm not giving it to anyone else. No one gets this moment but you. My heart and my flesh may fail, but you, God, are the strength of my life and my portion. I own you, I have you, I collect you, I keep you. You live inside of me. You're my portion. And forever I want to worship you, hunger for you and treasure you. So God, would you help us do that over these last few minutes? We give you this time.
in the most real way, Lord, we lift our voices to you. We're ready to minister to you, Jesus. Would you tell the Lord that? Would you tell him that? I'm here to minister to you. To be poured out and to waste my life here. I'm giving it all to you right now. Tell him, declare it. Lord, I'm giving you this time. We love you. In your name, Lord.